What is going on, Elohim listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Elohim In Podcast. I'm super excited for this episode this week because just the other day I was joined by a young Canadian race car driver, Gavin Sanders, who's been absolutely tearing it up on the track and has been making a name for himself in the racing industry. And as always, before we get into the episode, make sure to hit that down button if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching from YouTube. All right, without any further ado, enjoy the episode. All right, so Gavin, how's it going, bro? How are you? I'm good. How's it going? Not too bad, not too bad. Are you racing this week, or when are, uh, when are you racing next? Thankfully, I'm not racing this week. It's been off the back of five or six weeks in a row wow. at some sort of track, so... Um, yeah, pretty worn down at this point, but, um, yeah, thankfully a week, weekend off and then back, right back at it next week. I'm uh, working, not driving, but. Oh, wow. Well, I'm glad I got you yeah. on your week off. That's sweet. That's sweet. Yeah. Well, yeah. So starting off, I mean, how I actually found out about you was I was at the Toronto Indy in Toronto and, um, it was Saturday and I was watching your race and by far, I will say it was the best racing I saw all weekend. You know, like, it was so amazing. You and Zach were going at it so hard. Oh, it was just like, I've never seen racing like that. That was amazing. It was crazy. Yeah, no, it was definitely really fun. And um, it's interesting to kind of, that that battle, um, definitely, it, it's been a long time uh, with Zach and I racing together. So we both kind of started when we were younger. And he, I believe, started in snowmobiles. Um, and then moved over wow. to go-karts and I started strictly in go-karts. So we've been, we're the same age and, uh, and we've been racing against each other for six or seven years. And, and obviously when we got both got into cars, everything kind of split a little bit and, and he went one way and then I, I moved into a different series, but this was kind of the first time we got back to racing with each other and it, it definitely, uh, put on a show for everyone. That's for sure. No, seriously. No, it was amazing. Yeah. So for everyone who doesn't know who you are, can you explain like how old you are and where you're from? Yeah, so I'm uh, from Mount Albert, Ontario, so just east of Newmarket, um, so a little bit north of Toronto. I'm 19. Uh, I'm currently attending Georgian College for Automotive Business Management. Um, and yeah, so I, I've been in the, the racing industry since I was seven, uh, started in go-karts and, and moved up into to cars roughly around 2018, 2019 uh, was when I started started to make the jump. And then raced small stuff, worked my way through it, um, like starting off in like the Nissan Micros and stuff like that. Mm -hmm, so you can mm -hmm. kind of imagine, um, obviously lower level uh, race cars, and it's more for the the beginner aspect of it. So you get a lot of people like me who have, uh, at that point, I was almost eight or so years of experience in go karts, and then jumped into a car. Um, yeah. And then you have people who are brand new, right? So mm -hmm. it, it can be a big disparity in terms of. Uh, what people are doing and the mentalities of it as well. It's definitely something to work through. Oh, no, I bet. I bet. Um, so as a kid, how did you get into the racing industry? How, how did that happen? So my grandfather actually used to, to be a, he was an accountant, but he loved racing so much. So he, he started working for uh, McLaren when they were first starting oh, their wow. racing program back in like the Can-Am 1980s, 70s, uh, or sorry, it would be 70s or 60s. I don't don't recall exact dates, but um, he was all up in that program and and getting stuff going. And he never had the opportunity to drive per se, um, but his uh, his whole family loved it. And they were never really professional, but they they were involved at least. So that transferred on to my dad, um, and he worked for some teams and and then go karted a little bit. Um, and then once I was born, it was kind of okay. This is what we're we're gonna try and see if I like it and loved it right from the get go. So um, from there, it, it was all 
all full blast and um, it's kind of what's uh led my family to to or led the whole program to be such a family sort of thing um everybody's interested and involved and they try to come to every single one no matter if it's halfway across the continent so yeah that's sweet that's so cool that's so cool so when did you actually start in uh go-karts um so i started when i was i i unofficially started when i was six um and then officially did my first ever proper go-kart race when i was seven um so i would could barely see over the wheel and all the the fun <laughs> stuff my seat was i think it, it would have been like a third of what my seat size is now i was I, yeah yeah literal, a literal child so that's crazy um yeah no it, it, it's really cool and and even being able to work with kids who are in the same position now is kind of a, it, it lets you reflect a little bit on where you started and, and you see them do something stupid and you're like, okay, I probably did the same thing like yeah. multiple, yeah. multiple times. Yeah. Right. So, um, it's a, it's a very interesting industry and, um, the sort of cycle of how everybody goes through it and where they start and everything, it's always different, which is cool, but, um, there's a lot of stuff you can relate to. Mm-hmm. Well, like, Again, I don't do I don't do racing like I wish I did, and I know I wish at a young age because I, I absolutely love it. But um, I do I will say I do believe it's like the hardest sport ever. Like I, I I don't just because of how hard it is. I mean you've experienced it, right? Mm-hmm. But it just because of how hard the process is of actually making it anywhere in the motorsport and anything like that. It just it's so difficult, right? Um, and it's not easy because you're driving around expensive stuff. It's not a it's not yeah. a toy. It's no, it's no uh, cakewalk, that's for sure. And and to put it in in contrast a little bit, the the guys that you see in Formula One are, it, it's one of the the best way to think about it is it's one of thousands of people, thousands of race car drivers all over the world that has that seat, and there's twenty of them. So you think about it the same way, even in the series that we were watching with IndyCar and and even our series, there's fourteen to thirty people, and that's it, right? And it's either you know somebody or you're funding it or you're just good enough that they they want you there, but you're one of only so many, right? So everybody in theory, like obviously I would love to be an IndyCar driver, but at the same time, it's it, it, there's only so many um, available positions. You have to be good enough and everything just has to line up. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in it A too, right? Like yeah so many yeah. so many yeah there's a lot of political factors it's definitely one of the most mentally draining <laughs> yeah that's that's what i've seen too well like even talking about f1 like i mean there's there's a couple paid drivers in f1 right like that's that's a great example of it so it's yeah so much that goes into it it's crazy it's, it's um, yeah it's it's a very um emotionally financially exhausting sport. <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. but it's worth yeah. it you know in the yeah, end definitely. it's it's fun. Yeah, so yeah. talking about that, like what does it actually take to be a race car driver? I know we were just kind of talking about that, but like mm-hmm. what does it really take? Um, at the end of the day, it's the the perfect composition of physical fortitude, mental fortitude, and then financial expertise with sponsorships or family money or whatever it comes down to. Um, it's that perfect composition that gets you into that, that position. So you could be the fittest guy in the world, right? Um, and hop into a car. And if you don't know how the car works, then it, it doesn't work out. Or you could be the most talented guy, but you could not care about your fitness. And that's going to be a big stumbling block. And for a lot of guys, what it comes down to is they have those first two things. And the last thing that they don't have is a sponsorship um, expertise, or they don't have uh, marketing companies or anything like that to help them out. So the, the biggest stumbling block in our industry is definitely funding. Um, so at the end of the day, a lot of guys who are extremely talented will get those rides um, strictly based off of uh, it, the return on investment that they're giving the person who's, in, who's 
essentially paying for them to drive um, is much greater than the actual cost. Um, so that, at the end of the day, again, there's only so many people who get those. Thankfully, I'm one of those people currently who who is in one of those positions. But um, there's a lot of people, and it, it was definitely a, a sort of struggle up until up until recently. So, oh no, I bet. Um, I bet. Yeah, yeah, it, it it turns into a a very large <laughs> a full time job, so to speak. So. Um, and when you're also trying to, to go to school and, and everything like that, that's the, the biggest challenge I find from, from somebody who's in the, this sort of 16 to 19, um, age bracket, you don't know where to balance it. Right. And that's the biggest, the biggest challenge I would say. Mm -hmm. No, I, I totally, like, are you kidding? Going to school, trying to do work (laughs) and trying to race at the same time. Like that's so much. And again, like racing isn't, it's not like you just get in the car and you race. There's so much more behind it. Right. There's a there's a whole lot of stuff leading up to it. I and honestly, there obviously is the the Thursday to Sunday of uh, of a race weekend, but there's days leading days and months leading up to that. Um, that it's just preparation and and getting everything ready to go. And obviously, the the other thing as well is it's not just you. So there's a there's a whole lot of people involved and and just making their time worth it as well is is something mm-hmm. to look at as well. Totally, totally. So talking about um, whenever we were talking about like the financial uh, piece of it, can you talk about like your sponsors that you actually have? Yeah. So currently I'm partnered with the, uh, the Canadian Tire Corporation brand. Um, they're supporting me through the Canadian aspects of it. They've been with me uh, since I was racing in the Centra Cup. Um, and then they've also moved down to the U.S. a little bit with me in kind of a, a more, uh, what's the word, um, sort of spokesperson or, or influencer role. Um, rather than a direct, uh, oh, we're sponsoring this car, for example. Um, before that, uh, I had a couple of interesting sort of sponsorships. Um, the main one that I value so, so, like, so, so dearly, um, they've been with me since I first got into the micros, and, and they kind of, the owner, Chris, saw sort of what I was about and, and really appreciated it and got on board. And that would be Fat Bastard Burrito Company. Um, it's been one of my favorites <laughs> nice. for the longest time ever. That's and awesome. it's always funny entering a new series and having to ask for sponsorship, <laughs> sponsorship approval and <laughs> see if the logo can actually go on the car. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, no, it, they've been a, a great benefit to my career, um, as well as just so many other, like the, those, the, uh, those are the two that have done the most um, over the or for however many years for me um but there's been people over a single year um just most being shops that provide racing equipment or racing driven uh businesses um that see what we're about and and our whole program and and want to get behind it so um in terms of sponsorships i think you can never have too many um as long as you can fit them all in the car that's uh, that's all it takes right uh at the end of the day you never know uh, what the next day is going to hold. So uh, making sure that you're backed by a great group of people is, is very important. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%, 100%. Do you, think, do you think that's like one of the most important parts about it, racing? It's one of the most forgotten parts and one of the most crippling parts of racing, I would say. Um, it is very important. Obviously, money talks So in, in any industry, yeah. right? So um, it's, it's a very hardcore and sort of dogfight, if you will. Um, to make stuff happen and uh, even at the high levels with with Formula One or you'll see over here IndyCar or NASCAR the big problem that we face is just people not seeing the the return on investment with racing 
because obviously you're just basically pouring money to go burn it, <laughs> pouring yeah. money into it to go watch a car go around and uh, hopefully you win something at the end of the day. But um, there's, there's a whole bunch, it, there's so many more layers below that, that you have to help open people's eyes to. Um, and the, the biggest struggle is having the tools and the, the know-how to actually explain to people why this is important to, why this should be important to them, why this will help their brand. And, um, that's the thing that people I find most drivers lack is the, the ability to, to make that happen. Wow. That's like, honestly, now that you talking about that, that's something I would have never thought, you know, that trying to, you know, uh, get these sponsorships to understand why that's, wow, that's a lot more. Than, it, uh, yeah, it goes, it goes quite in depth, especially with yeah. uh, a large corporation. Like I, I love them to death, but, um, there's a whole lot of, uh, it can be very complex at times. There's a whole lot of things to cover. And uh, obviously, people are just doing their jobs to to help protect their business. And you're doing your job to help inflate your 100%. career, right? So um, at the end of the day, if it's going to be beneficial for both parties, then it works out. And thankfully, I've been in that position um, for a lot of the, the whole points of my career. But it's uh, it's something that yeah, it's overwhelming. And uh, as a teenager who doesn't necessarily know much about business or didn't start off knowing much about business and how to present right, all this exactly. stuff, like you could make a PowerPoint. But at the end of the day, the PowerPoint's only going to say, hi, I'm a race car driver and not not uh, anything uh, uh, concrete. Marketer, or, yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I totally see that. I totally yeah. see that. But yeah, so throughout your entire racing career, um, do you have any like best moments? Has there anything that's like really stuck out to you? Um, I would definitely say that the the first race of this season, um, I just got picked up to a, a sort of talent scouting program um, with a, oh, nice. the same Mercedes AMG GT4 that I was racing at uh, the Honda Indy, um, but down in the U.S. in the series called GT4 America. So we were in California. It was my first ever race weekend. I had literally just come straight out of a, uh, it was called a TCR car, but prior to that, I had just raced Sentra. Um, so just these basically your normal street everyday road going centras with race slicks on them and some suspension upgrades. And that was it. So I'd never gone above a hundred or never gone above 200 kilometers an hour in a race car, like with myself driving. And this was the wow. first moment ever where I was going to make something happen, uh, in this sort of, this sort of program. And now everybody's relying on me because I've been brought in because I'm good, you know? So <laughs> <laughs> now, the amount of stress. Oh, wow. Yeah. No. So now all the pressure is on, right? So it was really cool because unfortunately I had a bit of a rough test day not, nothing bad necessarily, just not overall as fast as some of the other drivers. Um, and these guys are paid professionals is the, the interesting part about that series is there's two drivers. So I have a teammate. So the cool thing about that is in my class, which is called the Silver Cup, um, mo both of the drivers are generally in the same experience realm uh, and the same talent realm. So you'll run about the same speed on track and it keeps a little bit more balanced over the course of the stint. Um, whereas there's other classes, there's AM, which is similar to Silver, just slower, or Pro-AM, where you'll have one guy who's a little bit slower and then a paid professional who comes in and basically brings these AMs back up to the front. So the big problem mm. is, with for for me at least with uh with that series was dealing with the the fact that there's these paid professionals who have raced for tens of years uh, and they've been 
hammering it out and this is just another weekend for them right whereas this is the biggest weekend that i've ever experienced <laughs> exactly ever. yeah so yeah. i had a rough go in practice and then i got to the qualifying and of course with uh, other series you might see like oval racing we they don't race in the rain we do race in the rain um so it rains 20 minutes before the qualifying oh. session <laughs> oh my goodness that's so insane i was just freaking out a little bit and i was like i i know i'm pretty good in the rain but the biggest problem was the fact that uh just a brand new thing for me and when we had tested at the track a little uh, a little while ago i was Hit and miss. I mean, you're just kind of timid and trying to figure it all out because the car is wildly expensive, obviously. Mm -hmm. And um, you just want to make sure that the team, your teammate can get back in it after you're done. Um, so we went out there and over the course of the session, my engineers and my radio, and he's kind of going on and on about positions and times and hit this and hit that. And we got to the last lap and I'd just been held up and I dropped from second down to sixth in my session. And it was just because the track was evolving and everybody was getting so much faster lap right. by lap. So just ha missing out on that one lap um, dropped me that many positions. So I just absolutely went for it and kind of threw everything that I was worried about or whatever in my mental, um, my sort of mental attacking uh, procedure before the session. Um, and took that, threw that all out the window, made sure that I was not feeling timid or, or anything at all. And just kind of went back to my sort of, subconscious state when I'm driving. Um, whereas I was so amped up and nervous, I was actually driving in my conscious state, which can be good and can be bad uh, for race mm -hmm. car drivers. But once I got to the subconscious, the lap was unbelievable and I was just sliding around and everything was happening all at once. And then I ended up qualifying on pole for my first ever professional wow. race. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. It was unbelievable. So yeah, that would that be one of my, the... yeah, that would be one of my favorite moments so far and oh 100 percent. yeah it was a, it was a solid debut i think everybody just kind of lost their minds a little bit like he did what <laughs> he, he so, just won't pull yeah yeah that's crazy so it was really cool and especially to give back with that program there's an investor that's uh or a team owner um, who just wants to see his car go fast and his drivers win so to give back to him on that end was it was really really cool and uh oh, yeah no it, it was a really gratifying moment so it was was that weekend your first time in that car i had a couple weekends prior with through the talent scouting okay. process i had gone to do to um, new orleans to go do once uh sort of competitive driver test so they'll bring a they brought out six other drivers um sort of to test and, and feel them out for the seat um, and I ended up winning that. So I had 40-ish mm. minutes in the car before that. Uh, yeah, wow. so I, that, that was my, I had a half an hour stint to show, sort of simulate a, a race stint um, and then a qualifying session to uh, sort of set me up versus the other uh, other drivers. So mm -hmm. it was very interesting to, uh, to kind of launch myself into, then we had sort of another half day, so you call it, but um, the, the main thing with the, this whole process and with this whole team and everything is dealing with the fact that there's two drivers. So I won't be in the car all day. If I go to the track for a nine to five test day, obviously you have your lunch break and you'll take breaks in between and you can go for roughly six or seven stints, um, over the course of a nine to five, but now it's down to three, two or three, because you have a teammate who also wants to get in and needs the track time as well. Um, so it, it, it definitely kind of it's a new challenge and that's what I like about it. It's always different. And that's, that's the good thing about racing. Whenever you show up, nothing's ever the same. <laughs> and it's always, 
kind of act on your feet and and hope for the best yeah so like going into something like this like obviously you said it's well it's a very expensive car um how are your nerves how do you handle your nerves going into that because you said obviously like the first time whenever you actually had that race you know you were very nervous do you still have that now driving that car i think the the indy was definitely one of the first times i've had that level of nerves since um since i was racing in centra um strictly based on the fact that there's all everybody's around and my whole family's there and friends and people are just kind of showing up and and it kind of gets to you a little bit after a while especially also with the close proximity to walls and um the fact that it's a street course and it's wildly bumpy and super rough on the car yeah. so you never know what could happen right um i think that was one of the the worst weekends in terms of mental fortitude for me this year at least um but since sonoma um really it's been kind of a a forward progression and the way I like to approach it is kind of when you make a mistake, don't ever don't let yourself make it again. Because when you make mm-hmm. a mistake, you're learning for the first time. You're still learning, and everything is it. It you have to make mistakes to to get better, right? And that's a good thing about the industry. When you make a second mistake, that's just being ignorant, in my opinion. Um, so that's kind of what I like to target is more or less. If you make a mistake, don't don't get mad. Don't beat yourself up over it. You're learning. That's a whole thing with the process and everybody goes through that experience. Just don't make the same mistake twice is mainly my, my mental sort of goal. Um, So, and the, the weird thing about racing, I mentioned it before, but the subconscious aspect of it, right? Because obviously you're going in the range between a hundred to 200 kilometers an hour or more. Right. So a lot of stuff just comes at you and you're not, you, you, you react, but it's not a, a conscious reaction, right? Whereas you'd be, somebody throws you a ball, you catch the ball. Right, right. With racing, it's a lot of, oh, there's a, a light on my dash that's flashing. Now I have to shift up, right? You don't necessarily have that that, that thought because the light will flash on for 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2 of a second. And then the, the 0.2 seconds after that, you've already shifted up. Yeah. So the, the whole target of racing is accessing the subconscious purely. Um, so then your conscious thought can be basically, where's the car? What am I feeling? How am I abusing or not abusing the tires? Sort of what can I do to be better? Sort of, and, and thinking about, for example, as well with that battle you saw with Zach at the, the Honda Indy, mm-hmm. the, the big difference between sort of just driving a car around the track on a lapping day versus racing is the fact that now you're thinking about racing the guy, Right. So you're, you're no longer thinking, okay, how can I go as fast through this corner? How am I going to get around him, right? Or where is he going to break? Or where is he going to turn in? Or will I get better acceleration? What do I have to react to? And you're more waiting and anticipating that than you are the actual driving aspect of it. So you might, the good guys won't defer their lap time at all in terms of overall speed. But somebody who's new or learning, things might catch you off guard. And then you might break in between the, the conscious and subconscious realm in terms of driving. And that might hamper your race pace and, and also hamper your race craft. Um, so it might make you enable, uh, or it might uh, disable you from being able to, to pass a guy if you're too focused on another thing because you're not in that sort of subconscious realm. Wow, that's crazy. Like, see, that's stuff that, like, I would have never thought about whenever you're racing. Like, that's... Yeah, there's so much that goes into when you're sitting in that car. Yeah, the the adrenaline will hit you, and then the when the subconscious mm. realm sort oh, of I takes bet, over, yeah. um, you you don't really feel anything within your body. Like you might feel, oh, I have to, 
use the restroom or whatever over the course of a longer race. But for a sprint race like that, you won't, until you get out of the car, you really, really don't feel anything or think about anything you would when you're just sitting down uh, until you get back out again, mm-hmm. right? All you're focused on is is that and what's happening in the moment. I totally see that. So going into getting into the car before a race or before qualifying, whatever, do you have like a routine to kind of get into that headspace? Normally I'll try and, and stretch out a bit um, and then sort of do some balancing exercises. We That's something we've worked on. Um, and uh, through coaches I've had in the U.S. and stuff is sort of balancing exercises, calm the nerves down and, and focus on your actual personal balance rather than focusing on, let's say, oh, I'm going out in the car and in three minutes. Oh my gosh, I'm freaking yeah. out. Um, <laughs> uh, there's other exercises that will sort of activate the brain or your eyes. So um, we do sort of a figure eight um, sort of eye tracking uh, exercise. Oh, wow. Um, so just to kind of, especially when you get show up in the morning, right at a racetrack, normally the sessions can vary from 8 a.m. to noon for your first session, right? So when you roll in, at 8 a.m., you're still exhausted and nothing's really functioning yet. And if you haven't had your coffee, then you're just sitting there like a, uh, a slow lump of human. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the good thing that we try to do is sort of activate both sides of the brain and also turn on your eyes for that sort of optimal eye tracking um, because your, your main sort of inputs in terms of um, car feedback and and driver feedback and sort of everything that's coming at you is through your eyes through your body in terms of nerves and feeling um and then you'll also have it through your ears so we don't really have anything to train the ears that's more of a reactionary thing that we can do with simulator racing and stuff like that but the eye tracking is definitely something we can work on and then um the sort of brain activation will also help the the nervous reactions versus the actual pure reactions to something happening so many different aspects yeah. getting going into that and how about like actually training to draw like let's say not before like a routine type of thing but like training are there any things that will get you physically prepared to race is there stuff like you can and can't i do? prefer to do a lot of focus mainly on cardio um biking is very good just for balance mm. and stuff like that um most guys i know don't focus super hard on weight training um it's a lot of cardio or swimming or stuff like that um to kind of not necessarily lean out, but to just be within the the weight uh, restrictions for the series and everything. Um, there's a whole lot of minimums that we have to hit in terms of when we get in the car oh, and, wow. and how much weight we can bring in with us. And if you're overweight, you're just losing time, right? So that's sort of the main thing. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of pre- like preparation and, and mental stuff, either there's a lot of like racing simulators we can use nowadays that are wildly advanced in in terms of feeling and and tracks and everything and you can basically i can just go in my basement and and practice right so it's a really nice thing to have um some guys have it some guys don't like it but i definitely prefer it just to at least you may not have the feel throughout your body but you'll have the the sort of eye tracking and sort of picking up on uh, sensory stuff like oh i see that sign i saw that in the simulator or i saw this bump in the simulator and when you see that in real life, you most of the time can react within a 70 to 90% accuracy um, of this is where I would do this in the simulator. And, and that reaction will help you in real life uh, as well as obviously your ears um, in terms of hearing the tires and, and the engine and the brakes and, and everything all sort of working together. It 
will give you an accurate accurate representation of what you're going to walk into when you get out there. So talking about the sim, like uh, an example like the Toronto um, circuit, did you did you have that on your sim before? And did you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. so it, it, it is on That's there. Crazy. I, the weird thing is a lot of these tracks aren't publicly advertised to, to like a, your normal sim right. racer. But if you want to deep dive into... Um, you can deep dive into, let's say, the manufacturer simulators, these simulators that are in the six figures. Um, they have those tracks perfectly labeled out. So my version of it that I have at, at home is kind of hit and miss. And it it's I believe it's a, a publicly made one. Um, so somebody either scanned it or just built it off of reference um, and at least gives you some visual references or, or what it should look like or where the corners go at least. Um, but a lot of guys who are on the higher levels, like the IndyCar guys will spend hours in the, the manufacturer simulator and it'll be way more accurate than we can even get to. Mm-hmm. No, I, I bet it's, it's crazy. Like how important is that doing that sim before or just working on a track like that for the like going into that practice? Yeah. Like for, for me, I try to at least get within a couple hours of preparation beforehand. Um, it just allows you to, to sort of make references if there's lines on the ground or, or like, cause everybody uses uh, different brake markers, for example. So you'll see okay. in an IndyCar race, they have the 400, 300, 200 boards on the, on the fence yeah. there. Right. Most guys will use that for braking and turn in references because there's just no way that you can see. It just gives us a little bit of an edge. There's no way you can really pick up on a, a reference and be consistent. And it's just a little bit safer that way. So it makes it easier for us um, that way to kind of, well, I broke at this board in the simulator. Maybe I'll try and break at this board now, or I can go deeper, or I need to break earlier, or whatever. Um, for the, the advanced simulators, it's really cool because they actually can set the cars up with all the, the different setups and um, sort of geometries with the, the tires and, and camber caster, everything that goes into that, um, as well as specific parts. They can try different setups in the simulator and different sort of balances and feel. Um, and most of the time it comes out from what I know to be relatively accurate and they show up in real life and put the same thing that they tried in the simulator on the track and it works or it doesn't work. But, um, in certain cases when it does work, it's, it's a big gain and you never would have had that without going on the simulator. So that's so cool. That's so cool. That's yeah. like going to the coolest thing. <laughs> that's so sick. So really like, I want to ask you, how has racing like impacted your life? Cause obviously would you would say it is your life now, right? Like this is, yeah. This, yeah, this is the, it. it really and truly is is turning into a yeah. <laughs> my entire life. That's awesome. That's so cool. See, yeah. that's like that's so amazing that because it's such a hard sport. That's the thing. So to be able to say that, like, hey, you know, I'm a race car driver. That's cool. One of the coolest things <laughs> ever. I can't lie. It is very neat in terms of when I was seven. I never really had like a an aspiration. Yeah. You know, like you never really know what you want to do until you're until you're about my age now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the cool thing was I could just kind of, oh, I go-kart. I want to be a race car driver. And, like, you say it when you're seven, but do you believe it, you know? <laughs> and, and then does anybody else believe you? And so the fact that it's all kind of coming to fruition and uh, everything's all working out, it's it's a dream come true. And, and, yeah, I wouldn't change it for the world. That's awesome. It's so cool. So cool. So did anyone inspire you to, like, do this, to get into this? Was there inspiration or someone? My sort of direct inspiration would definitely be my dad or my mom or my sister um just in general my family is sort of uh, an inspiration for um sort of our competitive values and 
um, how we value ourselves and everything. It's it's definitely shaped me into the person I am um, within the industry and just as an everyday person. Um, in terms of a racing mentor, there's a an older, uh, it's not super old, but um, an IndyCar driver named Greg Moore. Um, unfortunately, he lost his life uh, in the 90s, um, but he was an absolute inspiration to everyone and was just a, basically a, a generational talent. Um, and just the way he represented himself and handled himself and um, sort of brought himself to the forefront of, of that series at the time um, was just super, super cool. And um, obviously, I still wish he was around today, but um try to hold as much as uh, of his career as I can close to myself um, through he used to wear red gloves all the time, no matter what color his car was. Yeah. So I did the exact oh, same. That's, that's so cool. <laughs> Stuff like that. That's yeah. so cool. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. So the goals for the future, what are, what are your goals? You know, what do you, what's the big goal? Um, I definitely like to, to make my way into professional GT racing mm. um, in terms of right now I'd be, your semi-professional or close to professional. Um, uh, obviously, I'm not making a wage, but I'm I'm not necessarily paying for for anything in terms of sponsorship and right. and all that stuff. So um, I would like to become a professional where I show up and I coach my am driver or something like that in a, a GT3 or a, a GT2 car or even just GT4s, um, whatever whatever it is. I just want to be in that, that realm of the industry. I love coaching people and getting stuff done that way. Um, and obviously, it's, uh, it's a really cool and gratifying thing when you're able to see somebody that um, was struggling before um, become prosperous in a, either a technique or, or at a place or, or with a car or something like that. And you were the one who actually got them to that point. It's, it's a really interesting and it's a sort of gratifying feeling. Oh yeah, I bet, I bet. Well, I can't wait to see you there because I know, I mean, from the hard work that you're putting in and the racing you're doing, it's amazing. Like I, um, I mean, I appreciate that, dude. I would like. I I also live in Canada. Like I live in Ottawa, so mm-hmm. I mean, anytime there's track near, I would I would love to come come watch you, bro. It'd be sweet. Um, but my last question that I always end off all my episodes asking, and it's, what's your best piece of advice for someone getting into this industry? So, what would be your best piece of advice for someone racing? Um, it would definitely be to uh, obviously never give up as a general one, but you never know how close you are, right? Like it, you never, and that's something that I've, I've experienced as well. You never, ever, ever know how close you are to that one big break or that one opportunity or that one thing that's going to come your way and turn your career from, if you're just doing it as a hobby, into what you want to do for life, Right. So even in, and that could go for almost any industry, but uh, for racing specifically, you just never know when that, when that moment is going to happen, right? So value everything you can and, and try and carry yourself the best you can up until that point. Um, and then once that hits or once you realize that's hit, um, try to make the most of it in the best way possible. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Gavin. It's been Absolutely. seriously such Thanks a pleasure. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Everyone go check out Gavin. All of his links will be the first in the description below. Go check out his Instagram. Go drop him a follow. Go check out his racing. It's insane. You won't want to miss it. And yeah, without any further ado, that's a wrap.